Last week in a 9 to nothing decision in the United States Supreme Court, the NCAA was dealt a significant blow to the future and sustainability of their business model. The ruling was relatively narrow. The Supreme Court upheld a Ninth Circuit Appeals Court ruling saying that the NCAA cannot restrict benefits related to education, such as free laptops and paid postgraduate internships. The plaintiffs argued that caps on those educational benefits is in violation of U.S. antitrust law. Representing the entire court in the decision, Justice Neil Gorsuch explained that the NCAA did not provide sufficient evidence for why their limitation of certain education benefits did not violate U.S. law. The court's ruling did not rule on the NCAA's business model more broadly. Those rules are still on the book and have not been challenged. Yet. Despite the narrow ruling, legal experts are largely in agreement that the court's ruling does put the NCAA's current business model of amateurism in grave danger. In a concurrence with the majority opinion, Justice Brett Kavanaugh, writing passionately and persuasively, explained that the NCAA's current model of compensation should be judged in the same antitrust light as the narrow ruling that the court had just handed down. Now, I suggest you read the entire concurrence. It's only a few pages long. But essentially what Kavanaugh argues is that the NCAA and the conferences as an extension are colluding with each other to engage in price fixing. He wrote, quote, Price fixing labor is ordinarily a textbook antitrust problem because it extinguishes the free market in which individuals can otherwise obtain fair compensation for their work. The bottom line is that the NCAA and its member colleges are suppressing the pay of student athletes who collectively generate billions of dollars in revenues for colleges every year. Those enormous sums of money flow to seemingly everyone except the student athletes college presidents, athletic directors, coaches, conference commissioners, and NCAA executives take in six- and seven-figure salaries. Colleges build lavish new facilities, but the student-athletes who generate the revenue, many of whom are African-American and from lower-income backgrounds, end up with little or nothing, end quote. Now, on the outset, I do want to concede that this is an extremely complicated issue that has an enormous level of depth. The future is not written yet, and no one knows exactly what will happen. Having that been said, I personally am finding it very difficult to be dispassionate with this particular issue. Bluntly put, I believe the logic that Brett Kavanaugh outlines in his concurrence is a direct threat to the future viability of college sports and by extension college football. And I don't like it. To be clear, I can't find any fault with the logic from a purely legal sense. It seems to be well-reasoned and argued. However, as I've stated on this podcast numerous times, my clear agenda is the survival of college football and college sports as an institution. Anything that I think will put that in danger is going to be met with derision by me. Now, luckily for podcast content, Lee and I have found that we diverge pretty radically in how we're thinking about this. So let's dig into this thing, see if we can find any common ground, and we'll see if Lee can massage away any of the worries that I have. I'm Grant Benson. This is West of Everest. 
Welcome into the latest edition of West of Everest. I am Lee Benson, and as you can tell from Grant's opening take, we've got some complicated things to sift through today. As a listener, hopefully you will find our discussion interesting, and if not, uh, for this podcast, I was going to say, I probably wouldn't have spent this much time reading up through this Supreme Court ruling, so I'm glad I, I did, because it makes a lot more sense to me now at this time. And in case you're in the dark about why all of this matters, our goal today will be to explain it to you in simple, digestible, uh, just to make it really easy. I don't know. We'll we'll see if we can accomplish that goal later in the show. But before we get to all that, I want to acknowledge uh, this real quickly that for those of you who listened to the show all the way through a few weeks ago, our last episode, we did mention (laughs) that we were thinking about finding an old Oklahoma game to rewatch and then talk about on the podcast. At this point of the calendar, I think that idea has come and gone. We got Big 12 Media Days in a couple of weeks, which always gives us something to talk about in the middle of the summer. And, you know, what, uh, two to three weeks after that, fall camp's going to be here. And so we're going to be ramping up to the season pretty quickly. So because of that, no OU Game Rewatch podcast is on the books. So our apologies to all of you who are hoping for that. Uh, We're just... Too much time went by, and uh, we're not going to do it. So today's episode is, again, we're going to try to make sense of this Supreme Court decision, as well as this this upcoming NIL, name image likeness legislation, that's going to go into effect here this week. And then there's also some Oklahoma stuff we can talk about. We haven't had a show in a few weeks, so plenty of things have happened. We'll try to get to as many of it, as, as much of it as we possibly can. Unfortunately, we have a hard out. We only got about an hour to record, so we're going to try to get through as much as we can. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Let's bring back in Grant now. Grant, what's on your mind today? Uh, a lot of things on my mind. Uh, I'm going to start with one thing. I want to start with a couple of things. I went back and listened to our last podcast a few weeks ago. Just wanted to clarify a few things and maybe just sort of add a little more context. I'm surprising you with this. You didn't know I was going to do this. Um, I, I just I, I wanted to... Um, I, I was on a long road trip this weekend and I was able to listen to the last one and I you know, I, I realized that I I you know, when I was going through we were talking about the college football playoff expansion, I I, I did use the line. You know, I was the one who said, you know, if you don't if you don't like this, it's because you don't want more college football. And I just like I, I you know, I said it numerous times and while I was listening to it, I I, I kinda of found a little off putting. Just a little off putting when I was when I was reading it. So I just want or listening to it. So I just want to throw that out there. So like if you if you know if you're against college football playoff expansion, it's it's not because you don't want more football. That's not correct. I should not assign bad motives to people who disagree with me. Um, and so, just wanted to put that out there. Another thing I wanted to clarify, just because I didn't think I articulated it very well at all, uh, was you know the clarification on why we love college football. Um, it wasn't at all my intention to tell people how they feel or take agency away from them or anything like that. Uh, for instance, Lee, you claim that you love college football purely because you love football. And the right thing to do in that situation is to accept the answer. And if you want to know more about it, yet you know, for, for clarification, you ask. You ask questions. Um, and so, but having that been said, I'm not going to back down from my overall point. Um, admittedly, I've, I've been really into the study of human nature, human psychology lately. Uh, it's really interesting to me. Um, and it's an objective fact that, in general, humans need to feel a sense of community and belonging in order to thrive as human beings. Um, and my argument is that college football provides that in a very unique way that gives a very significant number of people in this country a little bit of meaning and purpose. And there's, of course, 
some exceptions to that. Lee, you're potentially one of those exceptions. Um, but then I'm going to start the podcast off with this question. Here's the one thing that I that I ask, and maybe this is this is too much, and think about it off uh, off air or whatever. So, if it's just football you love, why OU? Why why do you have a podcast about it? You know, we've been we've do, we've done this for countless hours. We've done this. We've put countless hours into this thing since 2017. We don't do that for the NFL or for the Thunder or for the Major League Major League Baseball or anything like that or any other team. So why OU football? And I'm just I'm just going to leave that for you to maybe digest a little bit. I don't know if you want to hear my answer because it's pretty cut and dry. I, this, this podcast wouldn't exist if I didn't work at News 9 in Oklahoma City. I would have never wanted to do it if it wasn't for that. It was a, it was a way for me to take advantage of working in Oklahoma City and covering OU football. And I was like, ah, I'm doing this for a living. Eh, a podcast would be fun. I, I mean, I love the Chicago Bears. I could do a podcast on the Chicago Bears, too. But I got nobody that I could do that with. Well, I guess our cousin could probably do that with, but... I got nobody that would want to listen to it. So that's why I'm saying you probably don't want to hear my answer. I, but again, I, I, and why OU is, I mean, we grew up with OU. That's why. I mean, if we would have lived in Arizona, we could have grow, grown up Sun Devil fans. You know, we, if we lived in Boston, we could have grown up New England Patriot fans because their college sports is not that big of a deal there. So my pushback on, on you would just be, yes, people want to find community and meaning in, in college football. But that's also, you can find that in a lot of things. And uh, in places where there's not college football, oh, they for find sure it you in, can. in pro sports. And I, I, I kind of feel like I conceded that in here. That's why I said, it's not, this isn't the only thing that brings meaning and purpose. There's lots of things that do that for people. I was just saying, I, I think college yeah, football yeah. You know, provides that unique, just s- s- provides that in a unique way. And uh, sports in general provide it in a, uni- in a unique way. I just think college football is is the most unique of any of, of any of those i think it's it's probably most akin the only the only thing that's even close to it is probably european soccer in terms of pride and uh uh and, and tradition and and everything like that so i don't know do you mean just, as a co- like as a collective or just in general like because there's plenty of people that when you say you think college football is is unique in that way and the only thing that maybe compares is european soccer people that root for KU basketball would vociferously disagree with you. They would say college basketball is probably oh, sure. you can, their version yeah. of it. Um, you, yeah, you can fold college basketball into that. That's fine. That's totally okay. Um, I, that's, I, I'm, I'm kind of using... There, there's a lot of the same... You'll see a lot of the same school traditions in college basketball. I, this, is, this, this argument can definitely extend to college sports in general. I just, I, I, I think, I just think college football is, is, is the event that puts all of that on display the best. Does that make sense? I just think it's the event that is the best because it's a Saturday and you can get absolutely blitzed before the game starts and then you can enjoy the game and then watch more games and get even more blitz later on. That's whereas in the NFL it's on a Sunday and you got to go to work the next day and you're hungover and man, but college football though it's Saturday baby. I also think that's a big reason why people like college football is cuz it's on Saturday not Sunday. I've always kind of thought that as well. Cuz Saturday is a great party day. College football, it's one big party. Let's have fun. Let's cook out. Have some brewskis. Hey, you know, maybe our team will win. Maybe our team won't win. And at least we don't have to go to work the next day. Unless you're me, and you do. 
and you don't get blitzed on Saturdays anymore. You just you go to the game and you work. I don't know. Maybe it's it's just different because I live in a I live in a place where there's a lot of people who don't who don't give two rips about college football and will and will say it pretty openly. And these are people who like sports. Well, it's because people who like yeah, people who like the NFL. Yeah, I mean the NFL is is their version of it. There, it's it's because the Gophers aren't. I mean, well, what about Gopher hockey though? There's a big contingent of people in Minnesota that love Gopher hockey. That's actually I mean, not a, that's that's not a great. Uh, comparison now go for hockey is has been losing attendance every year for 10 straight years <laughs> okay. but i mean it doesn't oh, really? matter whatever let's let's move on I, I just want i just wanted to throw that out there i don't i don't i don't want to tell anyone how they feel i just want to throw that out there and maybe if you know if there's people who want to think about it more deeply great that's awesome i i just you know i this is how i think a lot and um like i said i i i, I don't want to offend anybody that's that's what it is this is i'm just talking about something i love is all and uh you know i, I just i wanted to clarify yeah, I don't think you're offending anybody, and I will acknowledge, I'm sure that most people that listen to this podcast are probably a lot closer to you and their love for college football than the, than, in the way they think about college football than me, just because I'm a pretty cold-hearted, practical person when it comes to just kind of almost everything, and you know, it, it, I, it's a, there's a lot of transactional behavior going on, and yep, I really enjoy this, the next game, that's kind of like why I don't get as much pleasure out of re-watching old games like you do, like I, the game already happened, I, I've already seen it. I want to see something new. I want to see what's next. Give me what's next. What's next. What's next. I don't rewatch movies a lot. Uh, very, very rarely ever do that. Uh, I've been watching, rewatching a lot of television shows more recently because unfortunately in the last year and a half, there hasn't been a lot of good TV shows. And so I, it's kind of a good nostalgia factor that comes from watching shows that you know, you like that you haven't seen in a while. Anyways, I'm starting to get off on a, a whole different thing, but uh, the main point is that I would bet that most people that listen to the show probably identify more with your mentality when it comes to college football than mine and so in that aspect I'm kind of playing the devil's advocate role a lot of the time and that's fine I'm cool with that I have no problem doing that uh, and in this scenario we're, we're on opposite sides of this Supreme Court decision and you, know, you went over a lot of the details in the opening take and I know that you're you're bothered by this and I'm not so much to me this is it's to me it's kind of a fascinating legal case that could determine uh, how much money, if not, you know, or I guess more benefits that college athletes get moving forward from, from where, I don't really know. I guess this whole, this case only stems from educational stuff. Like you mentioned laptops potentially or post grad scholarships. And I think there's even parts of the, the brief that were a little bit more of a gray area, like postgraduate internships, but there's worries that, uh, I don't know if those are good because what if, you know, some booster promises a postgraduate internship, but for money that like a professional athlete would make, which then blurs the lines between pro sports and college sports. And I've already realized I'm getting into the weeds and I didn't intend to right off the bat. So uh, let me let me first explain why I don't I, I find this interesting because it's it's simple. It's a simple legal affirmation of a lower court the supreme court essentially said ncaa based off of these uh educational type benefits you're not in compliance with antitrust laws which are federal federal antitrust laws which what are those they are laws that protect the process of competition for the benefit of consumers and the goal with antitrust laws is to make sure that strong incentives 
are there for businesses to operate efficiently, keep prices down, and keep quality up. And actually, I read that right from the Federal Trade Commission website. So that was probably really boring. So it's, just, it's, it's simply the NCAA currently is not abiding by antitrust law. That's what this ruling affirmed. And the NCAA tried, and as you read through the brief, through Neil Gorsuch's opinion, the NCAA tried to be exempt from antitrust laws. And every single piece of defense they used was not sufficient. Uh, and, and I can get more into the details of maybe a couple of those later on as we kind of get into it. But that's essentially what, what's going on with this particular case. Now, I know Grant is not happy with this because of this next reason, because essentially what this court decision does is it's the tip of the spear because is all of the NCAA's lack of benefits to athletes illegal based on antitrust law, which then in theory could lead to multiple court cases being brought saying, hey, you denied me what I'm worth as a player. And if that happens, then is college sports uh, broken? Will it be different? Will it not be the same? Will it be for the worse? And I know that's what that's what Grant is afraid of. And he said that a couple times on the show, and I'll let you say it again here if you want, is anytime college athletics or college football or anything is, uh, as far as you're concerned, in danger, you will defend it like it's like you're a, like you're a mother and her baby is being uh, taken away <laughs> by, a, by a bad man or woman, you know, can't. Uh, and so that's kind of where you I think a lot of where your, uh, your ire comes from. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm, it's an institution that I love and I don't want it to be unrecognizable. That's, you know, I mean, that's exactly what it is. You know, a lot of the same logic is at play of the people who don't want to expand playoffs or who didn't want to go to the BCS or the original playoff. It's a lot of the same logic there. Um, this is so difficult to talk about because it is so wrapped up in legalese and pretty, and pretty egg-heady law type stuff. Um, so there's a lot of questions that I have. There's a lot of confusion that I have about why the NCAA isn't arguing this or arguing that. And all of it is, you know, these are, these are high-priced lawyers who have, to, who have to argue within the basis of law. And I'm the first person who's going to admit, I don't, I don't know much about that stuff. And so um, I, I, I don't, the more that I've reflected on, I, I don't have a problem with the legal, with, with the legal aspect of this. The Supreme Court's, their job is to, is, is, is to interpret the law as it's written. So, you know, I, I don't have any procedural issues with that whatsoever. None. I don't. Um, having that been said, there, there are, there are countless issues in our society and our culture where the law says one thing, but people argue that the implication of that law is bad for the social fabric. That's a thing. Um, and that's, I think that's essentially what I am arguing in this situation. Um, and, and, and there's, there's just a lot of stuff that's, that's wrapped up in it as well. Like for instance, I, I, I think, I think college athletes are fairly compensated, um, I, I think it's such, I think it's a disingenuous talking point that they're not. Um, but then you go to the SCOTUS, the, you know, the SCOTUS ruling here. And I mean, they're essentially saying that they're not by the law. Um, and so I, I guess, yeah, I, I have a lot of questions for lawyers. Why can't you argue this? Why can't you argue that? Um, I'm scared. I don't want college football to go to go away. I don't want non-revenue sports to go away. 
Um, I, I just, I, I fear, I, I fear the, the backlash and the consequences of stuff like that. Um, and, and a lot of people who are, who are cheering these decisions and a lot of people I feel like who have, who have been banging the drum for, for, for paying the athletes and expanding the benefits. I just, I, I'm, you know, I would like to see a persuasive argument or, or I would like to see any of those people acknowledge trade-offs and potential bad things that could happen from this. Um, that's, that's all I want to see. And I just don't see a lot of that. I don't see a lot of it at all. Cause I think this is, you know, I mean, a lot of my theory comes from like, I'm, I don't want to defend the NCAA. They're, they're an utterly incompetent institution that does not do a very good job whatsoever. All the criticism towards the NCAA is completely justified like 99.9% of the time. Um, so that's, this is not me saying you got to protect the NCAA at all costs. It's me knowing that the business model currently is built on a house of cards and it's not very stable. And that's, that's the NCAA's fault. It is. And some other things. That's probably legislation's fault, Title IX's fault. Um, Anytime something is built on the house of cards, a little pinprick can make it collapse. That's what I'm scared of. And you're right in the sense that we don't know the future. We don't know what's going to happen. Anything could happen. Um, I just, I, I do think college sports is a very brittle institution that if, if you keep poking holes in it, it could collapse. And I don't think our society would like that. I, I really don't think that the, the trade-offs and the consequences of that would be good for society at all. There are a lot of people, especially in the southeast of this country, who have a lot of their lives wrapped up in this stuff. And that needs to come into that that needs to come into account. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean that very last thing you said there is is a reason why I'm not bothered by that. Because there's so many people involved with college athletics in the country that there, there's too much vested interest. It's too popular. It it's it's not gonna go away. Like solutions will be found either way and that's that's where you and i and i think that's really nice totally uh, you know i i just just you know coming up and just saying solutions will be found i think is really silly especially when it's 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 the ncaa and the college presidents by extension that are going to have to make these decisions and they've already proven to be incompetent so you know i this isn't yeah so I, but what I, are you arguing then so that here's the issue so are, are you saying that you're that there's a there's a a situation where college sports just don't exist. Like Oklahoma doesn't have a football team anymore or a basketball team anymore or Alabama doesn't have a football team. I don't team. think that's likely. I definitely think there's a situation, like I told you, where football and basketball are the only sports. Okay, and so that's where I push back off the air with you is a lot of things would have to change for that to happen because of Title IX. Now, Title IX exists, and that makes it to where women's sports have to be a thing. And if you have X amount of scholarships, if football is, a, is still alive, I mean, how many scholarships is that nowadays? Is it 185? It's up there. And so that's why there's so many women's sports on a lot of these college campuses, because there has to be an equal amount of scholarships for men as there are for women. And so since football has so many players, then there's all these women's sports. And so if football still exists and basketball still exists, that's a that's 100 scholarships right there. So that's a lot of women's sports that still have to exist based on the current law. What if they can't be paid for? Like literally, they so can't that's another, be paid for. And the, so that's another thing that you brought up as well off the air. And I, 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 just, I don't see situation. See, but that's the thing. If if there's a, that's why I said solutions will be made. It will be budgeted for. It will be made sure to be put in the budget to follow the law. Now, if you want to talk about how 
is Title IX potentially going to get repealed? That's a whole nother discussion, and I, I don't know if that's even possible. Like, no, then there no, that would be super happen. interesting. So, I mean, you're telling me that's not going to happen if, as long as Title IX is a thing, multiple sports then have to exist in college athletics. Just as like long just as they just exist. because the law mandates you have to do something doesn't mean you can pay for it. Again, like you're getting hung up on the money, it'll it would be budgeted for. It would be they would find a way to pay for it. That's the thing. Like these colleges make lots and lots of money. There's lots of donors. That a lot of money at these colleges, and universities gets wasted all the time. I, in, in a way, maybe this would, if if money was an issue, maybe they could be more fiscally responsible with the way they move money around and pay well, for these different go into sports that, and things like if that. If you're going to go into that, sports are the least of the issues. It's it's definitely the academic side that's a bigger issue there, but. We don't need sure, to and, and that. that could be fact that could be factored as well. But I mean, since you're kind of hung up on the money, that's the thing is I, I just don't think that would be an issue. I mean, I, I know there's an argument of like kind of the smaller universities, maybe the non power five. How do they compete? You know, like they, they don't get as many donors. They don't have as much alumni as an Oklahoma or an Alabama. And I I, I don't have any answers to that. I, I know that uh, I, I can't remember exactly what I was reading, but I mean, the lower tier schools already are at a disadvantage. They're lower tier schools. I mean, when it just comes to just everything in general, they don't have as much money. Their facilities aren't as good anyways. So I don't know how much that would change when it comes to, to that aspect of it. Uh, so th- again, this is where just you and I are just talking. We definitely, I mean, we, it, it's interesting because it, all it is is it's, it's mainly a disagreement of something that we don't know. <laughs> it's, it's all in the future. And, you know, in your mind, this could potentially break something. Whereas in my mind, I'm kind of agnostic towards it. Like, I don't think anything bad's going to happen. And if it does, then, all right, we'll deal with it when it gets here. But right now, there's no re- reason to deal with something that we're not sure uh, what's going to happen and and like i said a moment ago it's just there's so many people that that love college sports uh, i just i can't see a such a, a such an i almost said scenario and situation together a scenario where it's it's that different i just don't see that happening and again like it's just there's no evidence behind that other than my lived experience of like, oh, well, this is pretty popular and po- college sports continues to gain popularity uh, with every single year. And so if there's ever any discussion of it going away because of uh, a president was like, oh, no, this doesn't make any sense anymore. Like, I can't imagine the, uh, the blowback by alumni at the university, fans. I mean, like that, I don't think that president would last very long in that spot because college sports are, are so important to a lot of different institutions. And so that's why I'm not too worried about it. Um, but I'm, you know, I, and maybe we don't need to, and, but you're right though, but then the money, but so payer players are going to get paid that that is clearly coming down the line. Like there's no getting around that. That's going to happen. Um, so I, you know, I don't know what to do with that. This is a big part of like, I I don't know what to do with that. Right. I mean, maybe this can be a time where we can slide into the NL, the name image likeness stuff, because in a way, that is going to be here this week on Thursday. And on Monday, I don't know if you saw this, but the NCAA Division One Council, they already voted to suspend amateurism rules because in multiple states, I think about 10 states at least on Thursday, that name image likeness legislation will go into effect. And essentially what that means is that college athletes are going to be able to use their, their person to make money if they if somebody offers them money or if they want to host uh like if jocelyn allo wants to host a hitting camp or if uh spencer rattler wants to go and, and host a football camp granted i suppose he'd have to then also 
rent out a space and it would cost him money to actually get the space to do that. I mean, he can't have the school do that for him, but that's a whole other thing. So that's the thing that's coming. And it's interesting that the NCAA is getting out ahead of it because only an X amount of states are enacting legislation, but in order to keep things, I guess, fair. And also because of this Supreme Court ruling, because the NCAA doesn't want to be looked at as like they're limiting benefits. They're like, yeah, for now, we're just going to suspend it. And anybody can can do it. And I'm reading from a USA Today story right now, quote, in states without an NIL law, athletes would be able to engage in NIL activities without violating NCAA rules that so far have heavily limited those activities, which include having endorsement deals, leveraging social media for pay and making money from coaching or signing autographs. And so this is a, a brand new thing that's going to come that's it's coming and basically any athlete can potentially make money in a certain way so in the most simplest form or way of me putting it this is almost like the market at work like capitalism at work like if if you're worth whatever you're worth potentially you can get paid it now because there will be somebody worth paying it and if you're on the rowing team and nobody knows who you are then likely you're not going to make any money. But hey, then, then again, maybe you will. Maybe you know people in the rowing community that would love for you to give them lessons and you can charge for it. I don't, you know, I don't know. So this is a scenario that we talked about off the air a little bit, maybe down the line, could help out the NCAA in a way with this whole antitrust stuff. Because the whole problem is that the NCAA does fairly compensate the vast majority of its athletes and potentially gives them a lot more than they're worth with scholarships, meals, books, all all the educational things that come with being in college. Whereas uh, some, mainly in college basketball and college football, would make more money if they were able to based off of their name, image, and likeness. And this is why it's kind of interesting to me is like, I wonder if this name, image, likeness thing could be a loophole for the NCAA to say, hey, listen, this is amateurism, but also we're not limiting what people can make because if they can make it and they're popular enough and they, they can go and do it, we're not saying you can't do it, but also make sure that we're exempt from this antitrust law because uh, we're not suppressing what these people can make based off of these new laws. And I know but I just I threw think, a lot of things at you, but yeah. I think, but I think the biggest point of contention there is that you know, a lot of the people who a lot of people who are arguing, you know, in favor of the athletes here, it's because they're they're saying they deserve a cut of those revenues, and so if like if if there's a the NIL stuff doesn't fix that at all, so that's when I say like these people aren't going to stop until the players get a cut of the revenues, and you know like hey, from a purely free market like libertarian economic standpoint, I don't have any problem with this. I understand that. I get it. I understand why people have that argument. Um. It's it's a problem for me because what's actually going to happen? It's gonna all you're gonna be doing is redistributing resources from the non-revenue sports to the kids who are already the most privileged on campus, the football players and the basketball players. That's all that's gonna happen. See, but that would have to be another court case then, totally. If because and we've talked about this a little bit before on the show when we we've discussed paying the players. You know what else comes up in in the potential of them getting a cut? Title Nine. Then how do you argue that college football players get this cut, but then the female athletes don't get the same kind of cut? It's all got to be even. House of and cards. So I think that's why that's where the NCAA, I think, would probably have a lot better of an argument 
if a, if a, a case like that was brought forth, which obviously that, that hasn't happened. I mean, the case that was brought was uh, Alston, uh, who was a, a running back. I can't remember from what school. And there was a, a women's basketball player. And it was just, it, it, it was pretty basic. It was about, uh, you know, hey, you, you guys were limiting what we could have made. But th- there wasn't TV benefit. You know, there wasn't any of that, which that would have to be a whole separate thing. And, uh, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's worth pointing out on your end. Sure. Uh, uh, but again, like that would have to be settled in a different scope. And that's, that's totally, I think different than what was just, it's just that we don't know how that would, how that would be ruled upon if it, if it got to that point. Um, so yeah. I mean, like, you know, I mean, going forward, going forward, bottom line, here's what, you know, here's what I would, I would tell the NCAA, your business model is going down. It's, it is going to be invalidated by the Supreme Court at some point in time. You need to be working around the clock right now to come up with some sort of viable business model where you don't have to eliminate these non-revenue sports. That is all they should be thinking about right now. I don't know if that exists. Um, and like th- this is not to be mean to the non-revenue sports, but those sports will not survive you keep, you keep in the free market. Though, Grant, as they long won't. as Title IX exists, um, they can't get rid of them. And I think that's another that's another argument in favor the NCAA could probably use in, in future litigation. Hey, listen, this law's on the books, Title IX. All these different sports have to be here. But what? Okay, but you you you're still not able to answer the question. What if they can't pay for it? That's then that maybe that's that's part of the NCAA's argument though. If if a case ever came, hey, listen, you do this. Here's our here's our uh, budget. Here's our like we're not going to be able to abide by the laws here. And then maybe the NCAA has a good good case of being uh, exempt from antitrust laws therefore you know that's that's the thing it's like we don't know about these these future cases you're right okay yeah those are those are the questions and you know hey and yeah and, and kavanaugh's concurrence he brings he brings all this up too he does he says hey even if this if we rule this way it's going to bring up a lot of other issues in its wake and you know in my yeah in my view he brings up issues that will that will cripple college sports that don't really have a very easy solution um but we'll see. You're right. Like, hey, I'm fully. I'm just scared. I don't want it to go away. College football, college sports has given me a lot, like a lot in my life, and I like I, I want that to continue for other generations too. And anything that I feel like is going to threaten that, uh, I'm going to fight back against. Even if even if I, even if I can't logically argue <laughs> against against the law. I mean, it, it seems it's it's well reasoned. It's it's it is it's well reasoned. Um, it, it still doesn't change the fact that I think, you know, like you said, a vast majority of college athletes are, you know, uh, are probably paid more by colleges than they're worth in, on scholarships um, and benefits and, and everything like that. And it's just the priorities to me are just so out of whack. They just they really are. It's like, why? Why is why is this the big? And I know that it doesn't necessarily matter. Things don't happen in a vacuum like this. But um I just, I mean, it's, it's, it's the universities that are the problem. It's, you know, the NCAA is a puppet organization for the school presidents. They, they, the NCAA rules college athletics exactly how the, how the university presidents want them to. Um, I don't know. The whole, the whole thing just is, it just reeks to me. There's a lot of corruption. There's a lot of, I hate it. And like, I, I, I understand there's a lot of, there's a, there's a seedy side of college sports and college, college football and all of that. Um, I think the positives far outweigh the negatives. Um, and I really don't want that to shift. I don't want that, you know, I don't want that scale to shift. Yeah. And, you know, you're coming from the position that this is going to irreparably harm college football. 
and that's why you're so passionate about it. Uh, and it, it's one of, and I'm from the, from the position again, like I'm kind of agnostic. I don't think it's going to be a big deal. I think it's going to be fine. And either one of us have no way of proving that right now. It's, it's just a theory. And like a lot of the things that we discuss, whether it's on this podcast or it's just between you and I privately, I feel like, especially in the last year or two, it's just things that we're not going to be able to know the actual answers to for uh, a while down the line. So because of that, we probably do, do our best to, uh, you know, eat healthy, uh, exercise, uh, you know, uh, just basically stay alive for as long as we possibly can to see uh, who ends up being right and wrong. And then we can get back on the podcast at some point, whether it's uh, five years down the road or 50 podcasts still even a thing. And uh, one of us can just dunk in each other's faces and it'll be great. Uh. I, I, I do think the NIL stuff, the stuff in the wake of that is going to be really fascinating. That's something I don't have any problem with that at all. Um, I've thought I've always thought it's weird that you can't make money on the side. That's super weird. Why wouldn't you be able to? Anyone can do that if they want. Um, so the NIL stuff, I, I'm totally fine with, and I think it's going to be a really interesting experiment to see who gets who gets money and who doesn't. Um, I think that's going to be a really valuable experiment to, to, to actually see what the public actually values or what those companies, who they value, who has the star power. I think it's going to be a lot less people than than a lot of than than a lot of people think i think it's gonna be a lot less athletes you could be right about that but what's kind of interesting about it though is a lot of it is regional i mean there's i mean i worked in college station for two years i mean who's there's a a lot of track and field athletes that go to texas a&m that probably could find ways to make money that maybe would not be making that kind of money and uh i don't know uh somewhere else you know that's kind of it's it's kind of interesting yeah yeah oh yeah stuff like that yeah, no, there's there's some definitely some lower level stuff there too. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a that's a good example. The fact that like a, a track athlete at Texas A and M can't do something on the side to make some money, that's that's BS. That's obviously BS. I, I was more kind of thinking in terms of like the endorsement deals and oh, yeah, yeah. seeing players on billboards in Oklahoma, which you're see, gonna uh, see. Which yeah. you're gonna see. Um I'm just I my 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 theory it's it, it's gonna be the five or six most famous players on the team and everyone else is not gonna Yeah, and that's my theory. We'll wrap this discussion up with with kind of a, a similar thought as like my one thing uh my one thing that i think is gonna i don't think it's gonna kill college athlete uh, athletics or anything like that but i think it's kind of interesting is all this pay the players and nil like what's that gonna do to team locker room chemistry whenever all these guys you know you got spencer rattler making all this money and uh mikey henderson isn't you know and like Maybe Spencer's, you know, maybe throwing a couple bucks says, oh, well, I mean, hey, let's go out to dinner more than one, you know. But still, like, there's this jealousy factor that I think we're not taking into account because these are teenagers for the most part, and they're not very mature. And maybe it won't be a thing at all. Maybe everyone will be like, oh, man, I'm really happy for my teammate. He's making that money on the side. I love it. And certainly some players will be like that. They won't care. They'll, they'll be, they're will they people. But there's also some people out there that are going to be pretty jealous that they're not getting the same kind of uh, endorsements or money on the side and you know i'm not sure what that could lead to but it could lead to something or it could be nothing but that's kind of the 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 team chemistry kind of unintended consequences thing that kind of interests me with the whole uh, certain players getting more money than others that you never hear about really yeah i think there's definitely the the social aspect too of of potentially giving a lot of money to 18 and 19 year old kids is interesting to me and that's not that's not to say like like legally like if, i mean if you're 18 and 19 yeah you should be able to make as much money as you want um 
but I don't know. I think there's, I feel like there's, there's plenty of examples of that in our culture and in history where that's, that's definitely backfired. Um, cause you're right. 18 and 19 year old kids are stupid. Some of them aren't, some of them are, are much more mature for their age. Uh, but a lot of them are, I mean, that's, that, that goes for everybody at that age. Yeah, you know, not everyone's as smart as you and I, you know, it's our, uh, you know, we're very responsible. No, I was stupid as hell. What are you talking about? Age. We're very responsible, you know, it's our 21st birthday, and, uh, you know, to celebrate, you go to the gas station, pick up a six-pack, have have one, call the night. Woo! The, you know, it can't get too the crazy. The amount of things that I knew, the amount of things that I knew that just weren't so when I was 18 and 19 years old is, is, is way too much to catalog. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I was, I was, I was an ignorant dumb person when i was 18 and 19 just like just like most 18 and 19 year olds all right we got 20 or so minutes left let's kind of go rapid fire we got two more topics to to touch on we did get some listener uh i say mail but it was on the facebook page from justin and he wanted us to talk about oklahoma adding trey bradford justin says with another running back added to the roster since your last podcast how do you see things changing for marcus major and mikey henderson there seems to be so much talent in the running back room that uh, getting on the field for those two players at that position will be really difficult. Major had some flashes last season and has been talked up by Riley, but I wouldn't be surprised if a transfer is in his future. Henderson just seems to have magic every time he touches the ball, though, so I hope he sees the field a bunch. Again, thank you, Justin, for your comment on the West of Everest Facebook page. And so uh, I just I mentioned him a second ago. So uh, Kavant, is it Cavantre Trey Bradford from uh, LSU transferred in, right, Grant? Yeah. So he's a, a transfer. He was a freshman last year, played sparingly uh, three games, I think, total. Ended up uh, He scored a touchdown against Florida. Only had 10 carries, though, for uh, 58 yards. Hey, man, 5.8 yards per carry. It's pretty good. He'll fit in really nicely to Oklahoma. Uh, so another running back in, obviously, Seth McGowan's gone. So uh, I, I believe this makes the running back room Eric Gray, Kennedy Brooks, Mikey Henderson, Marcus Major, and now Trey Bradford. Uh, I watched a little bit of his uh, high school tape, I believe, from his junior year. And I, it's weird. I, I saw some shots from low angle, like field level, and I was like, okay, like he looked like a running back, like decently sized. I think he's like six foot, looked a lot bigger than a lot of people on the field, but like six foot's not that big, but he kind of looked bigger than a lot of people. And he didn't look particularly all that fast to me, but then I saw his tape from up top, like the all 22, and he looked a lot better uh, from, from whatever I saw. It was weird. Like he looked a lot smoother running, a little faster. He's a long strider. Long strider, he definitely, uh, he, he waits, he follows his blocks, he's patient, kind of near the line of scrimmage. I'm not sure how good his team was, not sure how good his, line of, his, uh, his offensive line was, but uh, he, obviously he's a four-star player, went to LSU. It's somewhat troubling that he wasn't able to break in and do more last year on that LSU team. I think they didn't really have many running backs, right? I mean, they had, I mean, Clyde edwards Hilaire was gone. I think they had, like, Emory. I've read some articles on, like, but the fact that he didn't able he wasn't able to kind of figure it out or bust in is it's not I mean as a true freshman though after after, after that covid weird yeah year, that's true though, that's and, true or, and LSU was kind of was just was an abject disaster yeah, last season okay so yeah you're right i won't hold that against him uh, so yeah he looks like he's a guy that like we talked about this a while back is like okay will they add another running back i, I think did we talk about it after McGowan maybe i or maybe i talked about it with somebody else like and i, th- I remember you saying something along the lines of like well would they would they bring in a, a guy that's cool with just being you know a a body you know a depth piece? What was the context of that? Do you remember? 
Uh, I was just, uh, I, we were talking about the portal and I, and I said, oh. I, I just, I kind of feel it's likely that they're still going to be looking in the portal for a running back. Um, and that's the case. And I, yeah, I, I can't imagine this guy's coming in just to, just to be a body. Like, you know, I mean, uh, his high school tape, I kind of shared the same. He, his high school tape is more, they, they kind of show him as like a home run hitter. And so that's pretty much all you see on there. Um, but Hey, I, I mean, this, this is clearly now, I mean, this is a room that has a lot of pretty highly recruited guys. Um, and just based off of what we saw last year in terms of people getting injured and stuff like that, you can never have, you never, never have too much, never have too many of these guys. So, um, and also, I mean, I'm looking at it from Bradford's perspective. Uh, I think it's, pr- it's pretty likely Eric Gray and Kennedy Brooks are, or Kennedy Brooks won't be here next year. I bet Eric Gray won't be either. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a terrible situation for him. No, it's not. Yeah, he's, he's in a good spot. And let's just say that I, I have heard some, I'll just say rumors, not, not big, not big J j- journalism here, but uh, there's a reason why they brought Bradford in as an extra guy. But I suppose they had to with McGowan, right? Because I guess McGowan was, he's like, he's filling in the McGowan spot. But uh, I, I've kind of heard rumors that maybe they don't think their depth is as good as they, as maybe we think it is. <laughs> so uh, this could be a pretty important piece, but it also is late June, so uh, things, well, I mean, yeah, things I mean, could change. I, I'm just, I'm just looking at it now. Look, I mean, Mikey Henderson, who everyone has already kind of put ahead of Marcus major has never played running back. I mean, I'm sure he did a little bit in high school. And then, I mean, we go back and listen to last season's podcast. We, we don't, I don't, we don't think much of Marcus major as a human being. He's great football player. Not sure. Hey, cotton bowl. Marcus major um, was uh, pretty great. But then again, uh, everybody, every OU player in the cotton bowl was pretty great. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, that doesn't, I mean, that makes sense to me. Like, it's, you can easily look at their room right now and say, yeah, Eric Gray and Kennedy Brooks is really all we have. And Mikey Henderson's a bit player. All right. So that's, and hey, yeah. Eric Gray and Kennedy Brooks at the top is, is really salty. Yes. Is really Gosh, salty. Gosh, you know what? Kennedy Brooks, he had the, all that time off. He's nice and nice and rested. Obviously, that means he'll be uh, 100% healthy this year. Uh, Eric Gray, you know, playing behind that Tennessee offensive line for a couple of years. Now he comes to Oklahoma. He's not going to get touched at all. So obviously he won't. So they're going to be good. That's a one-two punch. That's uh, that's salty right there, man. And don't don't worry about the depth because you know it, it's not going to be needed. Not going to be needed at all. Oh boy. Yeah, we saw in 2020 that you do not need depth at running back. It's silly, <laughs> silly, a silly, silly thing to to worry about. Uh, again, I I know this is going to be a, a shorter episode than usual, especially considering we only. You've only had you know one one a month it seems like recently, and uh, we appreciate all of you who continue to tune in at your convenience uh, for our sporadic West of Everest episode. So because this is a shorter episode, we're going to move on, and we got to talk playoff uh, because after our last episode, the more more details came out about this proposed twelve team playoff because all we had before was just that Yahoo article with like oh here's what it could be, but then the actual college football playoff like the the body release their whole thing and so now we actually have the main details and it's 12 teams and so I, grant and i are on the same page for the most part we i mean there, there's not going to be any disagreement here for the most part um others definitely disagree with us again maybe at some point we'll have people on because that would be a pretty interesting podcast if you have because i actually listen to another podcast i won't say what it is but like a podcast that you don't normally hear people on disagreeing and this guy brought another person on, and they had a like an hour long discussion on this topic that's in the news right now. That and they were respectful, 
and they brought up point like each person brought up points and it was actually really interesting like you you very rarely ever get two smart people that are not jerks to each other that want to hear the other side and it was for an hour and it was great so point being is you know maybe an hour or whatever talk between you know you me and you and somebody else or whatever that that disagree with us that could be really good podcasting because i have not have you heard a I've never, I have not heard a podcast or a radio show where two people or three people or four people that disagree have discussed this playoff proposal thing. Have you? I haven't heard that. No. No, I haven't. That'd be kind of, yeah, that'd be pretty interesting. So anyways, because of that, uh, again, Grant and I, we kind of agree on this stuff. But here, and correct me if I'm wrong and, or if I'm missing something, but the biggest issues seem to be uh, what we talked about before. Top four seeds don't get a home playoff game. I mean, that is absolutely unacceptable. And uh, the other big issue that is a big reason why we want the playoff in the first place is because this would go away, but this new playoff proposal includes uh, the quarterfinals matchups would be played on January 1st or January 2nd, which is, you know, you got that. If you're a team that got a top four seed, you're, you're getting a month off and we hate the month-long break between bowl games. And the whole, like, upside, one of the big upsides to a playoff would be you play the conference championship. Well, first of all, you, you don't have conference championship games. We've acknowledged that that's not reality. They're, they're going to exist, at least for the foreseeable future. But you play the conference championship game, and then a week or two later, you start the playoff, and you go. You play. You play. You play. You, and maybe you have a week off between the national championship game. But no, in this proposal, sure, if you're seed 5 through 12, you play the first round game either a week or two weeks after the conference title game. Okay, that's good. That's on campus. Great. That's that's perfectly fine. But if again, if you're one of the teams that have a top a top four seed, you're sitting on your butt for a month. You're getting punished, actually. <laughs> yeah, you are. For being a top four seed. I mean, I mean, of course, you I mean you get the buy, which is valuable. Uh, but I mean, geez, like, I mean, there's, there's, there's a bit of punishment there where you don't get a home game and you're also off for a month, <laughs> um, where the team that you're about to be played about, about to play, they played like two weeks prior to that. So they're a lot more fresh. They maybe got a home game. They maybe have a ton of momentum. Um, they, there's, yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely some issues here. I, I look at this and these are, this is obviously, uh, you know, a, a way to kind of, to throw a little bit at the bowl system. Definitely. Um, Man, I just I, I can't I can't explain how much of an own goal it is to to, to play the quarterfinals on January first or January second. <laughs> that one one of the biggest problems with college football is that they seed the entire month of December to the NFL, um, and they're and that's just not smart. <laughs> like, what do you? I, I don't know what they're doing. So I, I'm 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 assuming this is a thing because they want the other bowls to have their due during that time. Yeah. Um, that's denying reality. I'm sorry. Like the bowl games are fun. It's 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 fun to have a random bowl game on at 3 p.m. on a Tuesday in December. <laughs> Nobody really watches those things. Nobody really cares. Oh, I see what I, you, you mean. I, oh, you mean like the other random bowls are they're more in the spotlight during that? Okay, I, that's what you're saying. Yes, that's I, I I would assume that's the logic well, the, behind this. No, the well that could be part of that. I would guess based on a couple like the, these Ross Dellinger articles, that just might be a symptom of the main thing is that they're they're um, placating these New Year's Six Bowls. They want these bowls to be, you know, these semifinal or these quarterfinal and semifinal games, which obviously take place around New Year's. 
And, you know, if that happens, obviously the other bowls that take place in the middle of December, we're going to, are going to get their highlights too, but that's just kind of like a, a side. Then they need to, and this is just off the top of my head, they need to build in more bye weeks and the, and the conference championship game should be in the middle of December. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, like, I don't, yeah. Yeah. I just, the, the bowl buy is, is really bad for the sport. It's really bad for the sport. I, and the, the fact that the powers that be can't understand that is, is a little, is, is a little concerning. It's, these are the things I'd love to ask these guys. And it's, you know, if, if the answer is, Hey, listen, it's because the cotton bowl, the Rose bowl, the orange bowl, you know, like the, we've, we're in contracts with them until X amount of whatever years. And, we just have to do it, you know, and, and that's the reasoning. Okay, I, I guess I would accept that, but man, I can at some point can can people just blow contracts up? Can we just like start over from like because all this stuff that happened in the past, like the college football playoff, like initial deal was for like you know seven or eight years or ten. It's like why is it so long? And I get, I, I know why it is because then that it's exclusive licensing rights and money, and that's great. It's but it's not good for the fan. It's not good for us. Uh, but that's kind of an aside. I, uh, I, I will say that I, you know, Ross Dellinger has been doing a lot of reporting on this from sports illustrated. And at least it's something, I mean, one of his stories earlier this month, I mean, the, the lead part of it was like, Hey, one AD told me that, that we don't, or that I don't like the idea that the top, like a top four seed doesn't host a playoff game. So at least like, that's a thing that an AD has acknowledged and, they, and I'm sure it's more than just one. Um, so the upside is I've that, seen. Yeah. Go ahead. I've seen. I, I've seen universal pushback on that. I, I don't. I haven't seen anyone other that comes other than anyone who comes directly from the college football playoff committee that has said that they like that. Um, that that's that's a thing that I hope they have that they have enough pressure put on them. Where I just yeah and hey maybe we're the ones denying reality. Like the bowl games are going to be a thing, and that's just going to and like we just can't. So like in, in my eyes, it's just it's I, can't, I, I really feel like the only one you need to preserve is the Rose Bowl. And it's just like the, the solution to that is so obvious. The Rose Bowl should be the national championship game every year, which I know would piss off Big Ten and Pac-12 fans for like a couple years and then they'd get over it. Um, I don't know that that just seems like such an easy solution. Like that's so obvious. I don't I don't know. It's it just seems so obvious to have the national championship game at the Rose Bowl on January first every year. <laughs> Does that not make perfect sense? Well, I mean, the I think you've said before. I mean, it it doesn't make perfect sense if you're somebody that says, "Wait, I I don't understand. What do you mean? Why the Rose Bowl?" And I think your reasoning is because the Rose Bowl is the granddaddy of them all. It's it's the it's traditional. You know, like it, it's you're 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 giving a thumbs up to one of the biggest traditions of college the- football. It's the yeah. most famous annual sporting event in America. And the long and and it is. I mean, you could say the Super Bowl. Um, that takes but that Rose takes Bowl's place at one longer. place, maybe the, the most. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade is pretty popular. I mean, people like that. That's all. I said sporting event. Oh, you did? No, oh, okay. I said it's. I yes. I I said it's the most. I, I said it's the most well known uh, oh. annual sporting event in this country. I mean, the same month that the Women's College World Series in Oklahoma City happened, and you're just gonna gonna write and and the the College World Series in Omaha, Nebraska is is going on as we speak. Um, you know, actually, I, it's kind of cool that the college the Women's College World Series is in Oklahoma because uh, 
gives us something to talk about for a few weeks. Um, anyways, yeah, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, so yeah, okay, that's a good, th- at least there are some ADs and a lot of people pushing back on that. This is not set in stone. Like, th- it's probably pretty close to set in stone, but it'd be great if during the next few months or whatever, whenever they're going to be discussing more and I, all the stupid little things like, oh, we had a meeting last week and now we're going to not meet again until September. And uh, it, it would be really great if some changes are made to this and this whole, uh, you know, the, I, I, here's my thing is like, just go to 16 then. Like you've already gone to 12. You know, an easy way to make sure that uh, the top four seeds don't get a buy and actually get to host, make it 16. And then you play home games. And don't give me this stuff about how the season's too long. Because I know that's a part, another uh, Dellinger story about, oh, like, what do we do with this elongated season? Or sometimes teams could play up to 16 or 17 games. Yeah, they've been doing that at the FCS level for the last, like, seven years, seven, eight years. Never hear about that, do you? Never hear about people complaining like, no, of course not, because it's not an issue. Uh, so the, the whole, that's a talking point that just has no compelling uh, arguments whatsoever can i uh just because I, I gotta go here but can i i i want to use my last times here to, to rip on bob bowls yeah that's what i wanted to do next as well um, so go on go for it because yeah you know he just because he, he i mean he said maybe the the, the dumbest thing um in, in regard to the the you know the playoff and, and the expansion he he brought up like southern teams going up north to play in weather games as a bad thing as a reason why they shouldn't expand and then I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, and I'm like, you, you just gave a reason why expansion would be awesome. And, you th- and it's just, that bugs me so much. I hate that crap. In what sport don't you have to deal with the elements? Yeah, so I'll just give you the quote reading from uh, Ross Dellinger's story from a few weeks ago. He says, uh, this is when they're talking about all the different factors in the playoff and potential downsides to the playoff. It says, but weather played a part in the decision to Bob Bullsby suggested, quote, I don't think playing in East Lansing, Michigan on January 7th is a good idea, end quote. And this is more of the story. It says, maybe it's- I think it's a great idea, Bob. Yeah. That sounds awesome. He also, uh, he also added that, quote, Alabama doesn't want to play at Michigan in late December or vice versa. Tough. Tough. Does he like sports? I, I, I don't. I could not believe when I, that quote when I read it. I can assure you that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were not happy they had to play in Green Bay in the <laughs> NFC Championship game. This is so stupid. That is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. And maybe he's just thinking to himself, I'm, I'm, I'm looking out for who is very likely to be the big dogs in my conference, OU and Texas. I don't want them going up in January to play in the Big Ten. Screw that. I want to see that. Yeah. And uh, I'll... Uh, I'll give credit to um, Brady Trantham and uh, Keegan Renault for their playoff podcast from a, a few weeks back, and they brought up this Bullsby stuff because it was it was out uh, before they did their podcast, and they were kind of saying the same things. And I think Brady brought up how how well Bullsby did in the last year, and we we praised Bob Bullsby a lot on this podcast and uh, getting the Big Twelve to play, and he he did a great job with making sure that the big 12 place had all the right things. He was up front. I get, I mean, I was really impressed and I don't think Bob Bullsby got enough credit nationally because it was always Greg Sankey, Greg Sankey, Greg Sankey. Bob Bullsby never wavered. Bob Bullsby in the big 12 never wavered once. And it, so he did. And then yet he just torpedoes everything 
with that ridiculous statement about the weather and then another Ross Dellinger story about the playoff and it, and it, it goes over, this took two years to get to and all these meetings and I, I hated this story because I'm sorry, this, this does not take two years. This takes a weekend hanging out and putting stuff on a, on a dry erase board and like, all right, yeah, this could work. Like this should not have taken two years to come to this idea. This is, do not make this out to be bigger than it actually is. So that's a whole other thing. But the thing that made me the most, sorry, you got something? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I could have come up with all of these different things over the course of a weekend. Yes, I know. It's because they had and they ha- and, and and the thing that the the reason that's crazy is because they haven't even they haven't even dealt with the contracts yet. They haven't even crossed that bridge. Yeah. So that means they were just meeting in secret <laughs> right. just putting brackets together. Yeah. Like I've been doing that for the last 10 years. Right. It it screamed to me of just like uh, these are commissioners and stuff like, eh, I want to travel and hang out with my, bo- my buddies a lot and just get all paid for by the conferences and stuff. Yeah, yeah, put it on the freaking university That's, that's honestly what it came off of, and just to be cynical. But, Rook, I know you got to get going. I got to get going, too. But, uh, I'm, you, know, you know, me and Grant, Grant now has come, come along, come, come around to the 2014 playoff idea. For the first time ever, the 2014 bracket was actually in a story because apparently they, they, uh, they talked about 24 teams during this two-year uh, planning stage. And so Bob Bowlesby said, quote, we never really gave serious consideration to 24 teams, but it was on the board. We knew it worked for FCS, end quote. Then the story continues. They attempted to poke holes in each of their models. For instance, 24 and 16 team models would be too many extra games. An 18 model, one of the heavy favorites early on, posed other problems, blah, 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 blah. That, so they just totally dismiss it. It works for the FCS, but we're going to totally dismiss it for us. No, that's not good enough. That is not good enough. You need to be pressed on this garbage. You can't just say, eh, it works for this other college football body, literally one level below us, but eh, that's too many games for us. And you're, sit- and you're sitting here thinking that these guys are going to figure it out All right, yeah. with the compensation stuff. and we, yeah. yeah, we didn't even talk about how there's not any uh, automatic uh, conference qualifiers. It's the, the top six highly ranked conference champs, which probably is not that big of a deal, but we'll see. We'll see. There'll be, there'll be plenty of time to talk about that in the next couple of years, I'm sure. All right. That's all we have time for today. I uh, know not a whole lot of OU-specific stuff, but hopefully you guys enjoy just the random college football stuff, uh, the current events, if you will. Uh, and, and our perspective on things. So we'll, uh, we'll let you know next time. Uh, we'll try to get another podcast out before, uh, before SC, uh, SEC, cheese, before Big 12 Media Days, which is coming up July. Come on, calendar work, work. July 12th, I believe. July 12th and 13th. And uh, yeah, so I guess next week we'll have to do one. We'll have to do a podcast next week, I guess. Pre- <laughs> uh, get your Big 12 uh, preseason teams ready, Grant. Jeez. Wow. Okay. Um, All right. Uh, Until next time, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest.